Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. You have your Bible or maybe your phone, go ahead and turn to Malachi uh, 7, or just kidding, yep, yep, Malachi, just kidding, 3, 7 through 12. I was testing Pastor John Mark, and he passed, guys, he passed, that's fantastic. So go ahead, stand with me, guys, we're going to go ahead and read the word. Here we go, Malachi 3, 7 through 12. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees, have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And if I see... And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Vanessa. Word of the Lord. All right. You guys can sit down. Hey, I'm uh, Pastor John Mark, and I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here. It's uh, my privilege to preach, uh, deliver the word today. Uh, I'm just doing this really as a fellow sojourner with you um, on uh, these truths, so uh, I, I would not uh, declare myself a, a Jedi master or anything, So, uh, but we will uh, just be looking at this together. I love to address the word of God's truth together and, and let it change us. Now, um, last week, here's what we said. Last week, we said it's all about the heart, right? We're on this series called The Blessed Life, and we said uh, this issue of, of giving, it's not about money, it's about the heart. And so uh, these areas of addressing this, it helps us deal with a selfish heart, helps us deal with a grudging heart, um, and giving, uh, we, Ty, Pastor Tyrone said it this way, that we're born selfish, but we are born again generous. You remember that if you were here last week? Born again generous. I love that. Uh, and it, we just talked about this uh, thing that we want to. A goal is to develop a generous and a grateful heart. So uh, that kind of um, sets us up for uh, the first thing I want to talk about together. And that is on, on this topic of, of a, a generous heart, being grateful for what we've been given. I just want to remind us if you don't know this already, that we are super blessed. If you're here uh, in the, the room or you're listening online, my goodness, you are super blessed. Because, uh, here's what statistics tell us, about half of the population of the planet, so roughly we could just say 3 billion people, over 3 billion people, live on under $2 a day, or less. Some people weigh less than $2 a day. So, Here's what that statistic tells us. If you've got food in your refrigerator or a roof over your head and some kind of steady source of income, you are way blessed. Somebody say, I'm way blessed. Yeah, 
Now, the uh, bad news, that's the good news. Good news is we're way blessed. The bad news is that, especially here in America, we don't act like it. We, uh, the sad truth is we don't act like it. Uh, just, just this family moment, we're being honest with one another. We don't act like it. The, the research indicates that the uh, average, average giver uh, in America, we're not talking about church, just giver, giver. The average giver uh, gives uh, 3.1% of their income to charities. That includes all charities, um, schools, you know, uh, save a puppy, whatever. All charities, uh, 3.1%. Um, but if we div- dive deeper into those uh, research statistics, it's broken down by income brackets. And what we learn is that uh, giving is inversely proportioned to the amount of income that we make. So those who are extraordinarily blessed here in America, and they make over 200000 k a year, uh, they average much less, less than 1%, 0.7% giving to charities. Not even talking about churches, just talking about charities in general. That's the bad news. And I want to start there, and I want to start with tension. Because this topic, I just want to own it and admit it up front that this topic is and builds and can result in tension. So I just want to address it. I'm not apologizing for it, but I just want to address it. Uh, sometimes it's what you got to do in a conversation when you're going to confront something, right? And let's be honest, it's funny because we just came out of this series on love and marriage. And what is the number one thing that married couples fight about? Money, right? It's actually listed as the number two cause of divorce. Uh, next to infidelity, marriage uh, in, in, in marriage is, is money, money problem, money f- fighting about money is listed as, as a number two cause. So it builds tension, tension in relationships. And so I want to address it right up front. Um, personally, I actually have a little bit of a uh, hesitancy in talking about money. As a matter of fact, personally, my mom, just so y'all know, my mom had to buy all my candy bars. You guys know what I'm talking about. You got kids. You still sell things. My mom had to buy all my... We always had a box of candy bars at the house because John Mark could not sell a darn candy bar. Um, I didn't want it. I don't want to ask... I, I don't want people to ask me for my money, and I don't want to ask people for theirs. So I just have this little... If I'm being honest with you, this is just kind of between you and me. We're sitting in the living room together and talking about money. I don't like it. I don't like to talk about it. Um, and uh, so, interesting... Uh, personal fact is that I work at a call center, work at U-Haul, um, and for the first two years that I worked there, I was in sales. And so I hated it. <laughs> I, you guys, I hated it. And it was about, um, especially like the first couple months, and, and it was about two months in, my assistant manager, Chris, came in, he sat down with me, he goes, so, uh, real talk, so uh, let's talk about what you're doing. <laughs> Let's talk about what you're doing. You love to talk on the phones, but uh, you know you really need to work on overcoming the objection and asking for that credit card. This is a real difficulty for you. What's going on? I said, Chris, I hate it, man. I hate it. What am I doing here? I hate this. And he said, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. He goes, but let me be, let me be honest with you. Remember, we're not, we're not doing outbound calls. We're, do, we're taking inbound calls. And when people call, they need your help. They need something. And you actually have the ability to get them the help that they need. They need a truck. They need to move. And you have the ability to help them because you know how the system works. You know the principles that are in play to get them what they need, right? 
Yeah. So what if it wasn't a customer, but what if it was your mom or your dad or your brother? Would you know how to help them? Yeah. Could you do it easily without hesitancy? Yes. All right. You're not helping customers anymore. You're helping your mom. You're helping your dad. You're helping your brother. Do it that way. And that overnight changed how I did what I did. And that's how I became one of the top salesmen on my team um, because I stopped worrying about it. It was just like, no, 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 no. This is what people need. And this is why, if you'll forgive the analogy, it breaks down a little bit, but if you'll, if you'll forgive the analogy, this is why Jesus did not shy away from talking about money, because he knows our needs. And as a matter of fact, this may shock you, but Jesus, really more than anything else, Jesus talked about money. Other than heaven, Jesus talked about money. He, 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 you would be surprised, because you would think that that would be a... a, a not a, a topic that would reoccur so much from Jesus, but knowing who Jesus is. But no, he talked about money a lot. And so we're going to unpack, in a way that we're going to unpack a little bit later today, how we deal with money is surprisingly central to the gospel. It's surprisingly central to the character and the nature of God and to how our spiritual needs are met today. Are you ready to hear the word of God today? All right. Jesus, please help. Holy Spirit, do your work. Amen. Okay, so before we dive in any deeper, I want to start with this principle. There are two masters and there are two kingdoms. Say, two masters and two kingdoms. All right, so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says it this way. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That last word feels odd though, doesn't it? You would, why, you would think it would be something other than money. You can't serve both God and Satan, right? But no, it says you can't serve both God and money. And this is not an accident because Jesus knows our need and he knows about the two kingdoms. Remember, Jesus is from the eternal kingdom. Here's a little history. If you don't know your, your biblical history, there are two kingdoms. This is temporary uh, temporary kingdom, earthly kingdom that's here now, and there is an eternal kingdom that has always been and always will be. Thousands and thousands of years ago, before the creation of the world, there was a celestial kingdom, and it was inhabited by angelic beings who loved and adored God and the splendor of this eternal kingdom. And one of those individuals was named Lucifer. And Lucifer, uh, the angelic being that he was, he loved the kingdom, loved it so much, truth is he loved himself, that he wanted to rule it. And in his arrogance, he decided that he could replace God. Instead of, instead of serving God and giving to God, he wanted to be himself served. He thought he could replace God. And so he tried to usurp God's throne, enticed a third of the angels to do it with him, and of course failed and fell. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, and he falls and sets up in his failure, his last uh, ditch effort to hurt God. He goes after God's creation because he can't touch God. And so he sets up to this, uh, to create and maintain this worldly system, which has one goal, to replace God. That's the one goal of Satan, and the one goal of Satan's earthly kingdom is to replace God. Guess what? This is a truth. Satan, you know, read 
horns, pitchfork, whatever you want to picture him as. Uh, here's the truth. He does not care about whether you have a bad day or not. He doesn't care if you spilled your coffee. He doesn't care if you're, if you're crying in, in bed at night. He doesn't care if you're isolated, emotional, and lonely. He doesn't care. Those are bonuses for him, but the only thing he cares about is if he can replace God in your life. It's one goal. He's hyper-focused on that goal. And as such, some of the other things happen because he's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But these things are, are a byproduct of his sole goal, which is to replace God. That's what he wants to do. You with me so far? And as a result, he enslaves, he abuses, and he torments God, God's creation. So remember, there are two masters and there are two kingdoms. So as a result, I can intuit that there are two masters. I decide which one I serve, right? There are two kingdoms, so I decide which one I live in. There are two kingdoms. One is, is a counterfeit kingdom. The, the real one is eternal. Now let's talk about the economy of those two kingdoms. The true and living kingdom, the eternal kingdom, is fueled by and driven by, its economy is run by love, love of God. I mean, you see that throughout Scripture. You can hear Jesus talk about it, love, love, love. The counterfeit, temporary, earthly kingdom is driven by, run by, fueled by, revolves around money. The love of money. So we have these two kingdoms, and they're similar. Now, if you think that that's a reach, and if you think that the personification of money is an abstract concept that's stretching too hard, too far to call it a counterfeit God, I want you to think about this. There are four things that the kingdom of God promises to its citizens, uh, promises to those who, who worship God and him alone and put their trust in him, that money also falsely promises. Think about this. It's competing for our attention. Security, freedom, power, significance. Money promises that if you have, if you have more money, you'll be secure. Isn't it ironic that I could, lit I could go out today and purchase with money a trust? Trust. I can purchase it, literally. I can purchase trust. I can literally, I can, I can set one up. I can set up a trust. I can literally purchase security. It's funny that these, these things, which are abstract concepts that can only be found in God, now become a noun and something I can purchase with a counterfeit God. Isn't that interesting? But there's nothing like a little global pandemic that will check that promise, right? Who would have thought that we would be hoarding toilet paper? Who would have thought that we would be fighting and duking it out for toilet paper? Security, freedom. If you have more money, you'll be free. You've seen in advertisements for cruise uh, trips and, and retirement funds. You just need a little bit more money. You'll be free. Uh, power. Uh, if you have more money, you'll be more powerful. Significance. If you have more money, you'll be significant. Of course, in all these things, there is this false promise. It can't deliver. Um, I mean, you just think about significance. I'm just one job loss away. Just one stock market 
a dump away from anonymity and insignificance. Here's the thing about money. It, it gives a great view from a perilous ledge. And um, Jesus talks about that all, all over the place. And he talks about the, you know, the house that's built on a rock versus the house that's built on sand. And you just see it you know, throughout Jesus' teachings on heaven and setting up your treasure and where we, where, where we put our treasure. It's just throughout Jesus' teaching on both heaven and money. It's just throughout. So he doesn't shy away from this. And think about it from this way, from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Have you heard about the, 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 the thing that is the root of all kinds of evil? Have you heard about that? Yeah. This is the verse. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, say it with me, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. That doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Some people get that wrong. They quote that wrong. But it is the love of money, and that's because it depends on where you're putting your trust. It depends on really, here's what it means, which kingdom you in, which master you serve. And so um, if you find yourself in the wrong kingdom, this is, I love the visuals that are in that verse right there. It's a, it's a very visual verse. And it paints this picture of someone who has been tricked and duped into their own destruction and because they loved money. It's just personif personification of a false god and the false god is named money. Or maybe in your translation, it actually has the name of a god called Mammon. And so uh, this is, is real. So now, will we trust money? Here's the test. This is the test. You can write it down this way. It's on the screen. Will you love and trust money, or will you love and trust God? That's the test for today. And, and now, if we can be honest, let's be just back off from this for a moment. This is a heavy conversation. It's heavy. You can feel some of the heaviness here, because I'm messing with your money. So let's just take a, a, a quick uh, step back and breathe. Honest question, honest question. Now raise your hand on this one, honest question. If I today had uh, the ability to uh, give you a couple thousand before you walked out of here today, would that, would that make your day a little bit better today? Real question, raise up your hand, that would make your day a little bit better. That's real, that's real, real talk. Andrew's like, yes and amen. Uh, I, I, I receive that in Jesus' name. This is not a contract, it's just a hypothetical. It's just a hypothetical. All right. So, uh, but what if it was 10,000? Would that make your life a little easier? What about 50? $50,000, would that make your life better? True, true talk, true talk, true talk. And, and I ask that because we all would say yes. We all would say yes because of the world that we live in. We know, we know what money can do. And so that's why Jesus addresses it uh, with us in this way. And, and look at this truth from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. And let that check what we just said. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. And I mean, really, all you have to do is a little study of lottery winners to uh, see that fleshed out. That's an interesting take. See what 
those who won the lottery, see how that actually impacted their life long term. That's interesting. Do that research on your own. It's interesting because the, the, the thing is, there really is no car, no money, no job raise that will do what you want it to do for you because it's a false God. It's a false promise. It can't deliver. Um, it, it doesn't do it. And here's the, the thing. We know, we know there is no point. You always want just a little bit more. But even if we could, even if, let's say hypothetical again, what if we could have enough? What if we got to that place where we said, I have achieved everything. This is all I could use. I couldn't even do anything with anymore. Jesus actually addresses that scenario in Luke chapter 12. And basically he says, um, to what end? Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he, saw, he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. Man, boy, that is something I hope I, I don't want to hear that. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Imagine this road. Okay, pretend this road just goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about, you're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna save, 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 so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh man, am I gonna get to travel? Am I gonna eat well? Am I gonna do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me, because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm gonna exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible enjoying myself as much as I can. Paul says, look, I'm gonna live my life for this mission. I'm gonna spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm gonna forget about all this stuff I could enjoy, and I'm not gonna look around. I'm gonna be like a runner, just looking at that moment when I face God, because when I face Him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And you see, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid, because that's gonna really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because it's gonna affect all of this. Man. I, I, I'm serious. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow 
and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb? Preach. So there's that that tug about eternity. There's this 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 really not so subtle tug that that's why we said there are two masters, there are two kingdoms. And when we approach the subject of tithing, which is what we're going to talk about today, we always want to remember eternity because that's what is the the real heart of this this message. It's not, it's not about me, it's not about today, it's just about eternity. So, our principle that we want to hang our hat on today, this is where we want to start, is where we want to end. This, this word right here. I will give my first and my best so the rest can be blessed. Would you say that with me? I will give my first and my best so the rest can be blessed. Online, would you say it out loud in your living room right now? One more time. I will give my first and my best so the rest can be blessed. So here's what today's principle does. It breaks our ties with the temporary kingdom of this earth. It breaks the hold as we apply it over time. It breaks the hold that the kingdom of this earth can have over our hearts. And remember, this is what God wants. We learned last week, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Yeah, but... There's only two kingdoms, there's only two masters, so I gotta serve. So now money, I gotta check it. I gotta keep checking it so that I'm I make sure that, that I'm not relaxing into the kingdom of this earth. Let's check out what Leviticus chapter 27 30 says. <clears throat> A tithe, everybody say tithe. Tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So let's, let's unpack that word tithe. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've been around. Maybe you haven't. But let's, let's uh, say what it, what it is. The word tithe is this Hebrew word, which is ma'aser. Ma'aser, which really leaves no room for translation. We don't have to wonder what it means. It just means one-tenth. All right? So mathematically, one out of ten, or a tenth, or 10%, whichever of those that you're more uh, comfortable with, it, it means the same thing, right? So a tenth, the, the word says there, a tenth of everything from the land belongs to the Lord. So what we're saying is when I give tithe, when I, when I give back tithe, when I tithe, if we use it as a verb, I am signifying both to myself and to God that my trust is in God, and it's not in money. I'm placing my allegiance in the eternal kingdom. Are you with me? You for, don't hate me now. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm walking us through it. We're, I'm just a sojourner. We're looking at the truth. We just get to, to adjust our lives accordingly. A tithe. A tithe of what? A tithe of increase. So really, it just means of everything, a tithe of any increase of what I earn, if that's an increase from what I had yesterday to today, a tithe of that. If I sell my house, if it's for a profit, a tithe of that. Um, if it increases, it belongs to God. It's not mine, it's holy, it belongs to the Lord, and it's His. I don't know another way to say it than that. 
And uh, by the way, I just want to say this. This is not a message of condemnation. We're just having honest talk together. So if you're here today, you're not a tither, man. I'm just talking with you honestly and openly. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it while I was preparing my, my notes for today. And I just had this little check. I probably the, I got a check with Rosemary because she's working. And I haven't got a chance to talk with her yet. But I was thinking like, man, did we tithe off of our, stimu- our last stimulus check? I can't remember. Because it's, I'm not in the habit of, of having money just drop in my bank account that I didn't earn, right? It's, it's, it's weird for me. And so um, I have, you know, automatic stuff that we do with our, but I, 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 I don't know if we did that manually or not. So I got to go check and see. It's not a condemnation. I'm not, I'm, 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 that's not, and understand this, there is no person in this room, at this church, anywhere that is ever going to second guess what you do with your money. We're not going to do that. We're not that kind of church. Okay? So this is between you and God. But this is the word from the Lord. So hear it. Hear it, and then you adjust accordingly. But just know that we're not, we're not doing that. This is not a condemnation. But we want to read God's word, and we want to apply it. So if, if you're looking at this, and you're going, um, this seems a little heavy-handed. This seems like you're really pushing hard uh, on this message Uh, Let's see what God has to say again from Malachi 3, verse 8. Because God says something really intense, and he paints a really vivid picture um, to the prophet Malachi. And Malachi says, will man rob God? And then God says, yet you are robbing me. Pause right there, pause. Think about the word rob, rob. Okay, you can steal something behind somebody's back without them knowing it. But when you rob someone, what are you doing? They know you're doing it. You're beating somebody up. You're, you're, you're accosting them. And you're taking from them. And this is the word that's used. You are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Right? Like, uh, in, in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Wow. All right, so here's a little context. So the prophet Malachi is addressing the Jewish audience. And man, for, for a long time, they, the people he's speaking to have just had a habit of, being, of faithfully returning the tithe to the Lord. As a matter of fact, they have been blessed and blessed again and doubly blessed on top of that to the point that they were starting to forget the principle of the tithe. And so some people who were smart and logical and mathematical and business-minded started to look at the math of the thing, and they said, you know, uh, 5% now is way more than the 10% I used to give five years ago. Uh, also, first and best, like if I give my best to God, like that lamb that's pure and spotless and strong like that could sell a lot at the market and I could take that money and reinvest it in my business and multiply the, fo- the flock and by uh, 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 three years from now, I would have so much more for God if I would not give him my best now. So it makes more sense to give God, why does he care if I 
give him this weak and gamey um, lamb that's spotted and has a has a, a bum leg. Why would he care? He's not God. He's cool with that, right? Like I'm just sacrificing something to him, and just something is enough, right? So you know, maybe five percent, and maybe a a, a a lamb with a bum leg. And so God, in effect, what they were doing is offering leftovers to a holy God, and God says. And checks his people and says, okay, you gotta decide, you guys gotta make a decision. Who are you gonna worship? I'm sending before you blessings and curses. Just decide which one, because right now you this is you choosing the wrong God. And if you want it that way, uh, I'm gonna take my hands off. And what happened is uh, their their crops started to fail and their economy started to tank. I don't know if that sounds familiar, but um, what, there was a, uh, a thing that happened in their nation, and, uh, and, and God said, um, Ahem, remember me? Remember the tithe? And they forgot that tithing wasn't giving. Tithing was returning. It was returning to the Lord what was his. Remember, in that verse, we just says, it says, bring the full tithe. It doesn't even say give the tithe. It, it, it says bring the full tithe. So if you want to be technical about it, tithing isn't giving. Tithing is just returning. It's just returning what belongs to the Lord. And then you can give on top of that. You can give offerings that are on top of the tithe. But tithe, the ten, the tenth, is just returning. It's just returning what is already his. As a matter of fact, how much of it is his? All of it. It's all his. And he says, I want to bless that 90% in amazing ways. I just want the 10% back. And there's an interesting reason why. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, it's not God being selfish, by the way. Um, because, by the way, what does God need for money? Right? Like, why does God need my money? Uh, he doesn't, by the way. It's actually for my benefit. It's, it's completely for my benefit. Um, but... But, but God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, and I will bless it. So remember, God owns everything. He's just asking for the 10% back. God has set before us. Think about this. God set before us a life of our own choosing. He says to you and me today, uh, I've set before you blessings and cursings. And there are two masters, and there are two kingdoms. I've said before you, blessings and cursings. Just choose life, guys. Choose life. I want to bless you. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and life more abundantly. But remember, the, the thief, he comes to, if anybody remembers that passage in John, steal, help me out, kill, destroy. Yeah, you guys remember that one. All right. So that's what the thief comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly, and we have a role in, in, in how we choose which kingdom we're in. And maybe another way of saying it is this, because I don't want you to get it twisted. Money doesn't buy a ticket into the kingdom. It never has. It never was. There was this weird thing with indulgences, uh, indulgences in, the, in, in the church uh, some time ago, and that's false doctrine. You can't buy your way into the kingdom. There's nothing you can do to buy your... But, you, but, what, but what, remember what we said last week. God's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart, right? He's interested in your heart. But your heart is really quickly affected by money. And drawn to money because it's a counterfeit God. Are you with me? You're tracking? Is it okay? So we're just being real. We're just talking real. And so what we have to do, God says, is we just need to, to have regular opportunities. Say regular. Regular opportunities to check our heart and make sure that we're worshiping God.
That's it. That's what it's about. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. This is about the test. There's a test. Good. Somebody say there's a test. All right. Thank you. Uh, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in, in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, remember what we said at the very beginning, that, remember the inverse proportion between um, uh, income and giving? Remember that? Uh, so <laughs> in, a, in a, a question to family, as I address maybe two different groups at every, every service where I was thinking about family, that by that I mean people, you've been in church and you, you're a disciple of Christ, you love the Lord, you're all in on these truths. And then there's those who are, you're listening in, man, you're going, I don't know. I don't know if I'm all in. These are interesting things, but I, I just don't know what I want to do with this truth. This is, a, this is a question for family. Is that fair? Can I say it that way? Okay. Question for family. What if, because people all the time, they're like, man, would you, all the time, we take prayer requests, and all the time people are saying, <clears throat> I, I need God to bless my finances. I want God to bless my finances. And what if we adjusted that prayer slightly? And what if I said, today, in this room, right now, we are all going to agree and pray that God will adjust your finances to the level that you're willing to be faithful in honoring the Lord with the tithe. Some of you be excited. Be like, yes, adjust my finances. Hello. I'll be happy to give that 10%. I'm giving 10% now. Just imagine what check I get to write when you double my salary. Lord, amen. And others, you'd be, others you'd be like, let's not pray that prayer just yet, Pastor John Mark. That is a little too hasty. I'm not ready to be blessed just yet. I don't want the blessed life. I want the mediocre life. I want the okay life. I want the pay my bills life. I don't want the blessed life. I don't want the tithe life. That's a real conversation. That's a real check. Is that okay that I, <laughs> this is a little gut check. And, but Jesus reminds us of this. There's two masters. There's two kingdoms. Because he knows this as a citizen of the eternal kingdom. And he comes in alongside us as our savior and also our coach and our Lord, and he says, I know how to do life, guys. I know, how to, I know how to beat the enemy in this area. And here's what you need. You need something big. That's what you need. You need something big. I, I thought about this as we were singing uh, that hymn, uh, um, the Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, which, by the way, if you want to know, it's probably my favorite hymn of all time. I love that hymn. Um, but there's this odd line uh, that maybe you might have thought was weird. Um, if, if you don't know the history behind it. Uh, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Did anybody think that was a weird line? Is, is, is there anybody that was like, what in the what? Um, raise my what now? Uh, <clears throat> so let's, I want to bring that up because it fits here. There was this 30-second uh, history. There was this, um, the, the Israelites were up against, uh, they were backed up against a wall. They were between a rock and a hard place, and they really had no, it's a battle that was coming with the Philistines, and they had really no opportunity to win. They were all going to perish. But Samuel uh, raised up a bold prayer, and so the battle's 
is, is yours, Lord. And God came through in a supernatural, miraculous way. And the Philistines were so afraid and so terrified that they gave the ark back and said, fine, take it, take it, take it. We don't want it. We're terrified of you. And that day they were delivered miraculously. They should know that God thundered from heaven. It was amazing. It was miraculous. And Samuel did something. He took, he had a crew raise up this giant stone. And he named that stone Ebenezer. And Ebenezer in ancient Hebrew meant the Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. And he did it because he knew what we know. That humans, our memory is short. <laughs> we have a memory of about a goldfish, you know. And, and so we need big things out in front of us that constantly remind us of our need to reorient our lives around the Lord. And so that's what the Israelites needed. They, need, they needed to raise an Ebenezer. And so that's why that song, I hope that helps you next time you hear that. You don't have to be weirded out by, here I raise my Ebenezer. You can be like, yeah, I raise my Ebenezer. The Lord is my help. Okay, so that is the, the thing with the tithe because the tithe um, can be a big thing. And it's a recurring thing. It's right out in front of us. And we're like, yes, uh, the Lord is my help. Are you with me? You okay? Okay. So it's a blessing to tithe. That's the key. Now, um, then we're going to look at three blessings of the tithe, and then we're going to wrap it up. Three blessings of the tithe. The first blessing of the tithe is that tithing provides for God's work through his church. Provides for God's work through his church. All right. So um, in Malachi 3, verse 10, uh, the first half of that verse, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Everybody say storehouse. Storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Storehouse is an Old Testament picture. It's always been an Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. Church, uh, the Greek word for church um, is ecclesia. And so it just means this gathering of, of Christ followers. The, the gr- gatherings of Christians, as they called them, little Christ's. Uh, gatherings of, of, of people who devoted themselves to God and his purposes. And if you look and you read Acts, you see this happening. You see people bringing the tithe into the storehouse so that there would be food. Everybody say food. So that's what's happening today, even right here and right now, whether you're in this room or you're listening online. People, people like you and I here in this room, we brought tithe, our tithe together into the house of God and you're receiving spiritual nourishment right now. You're receiving the word of God, and you're, you're, you're like, yes, yes, this, I, I'm digesting this. Maybe it's a little challenging. Maybe there's some bitterness here, but I can feel the nourishment. This is food for my soul. And here's the good news, whether you're identifying with this message or not. And my kids are always honest with me, and, and after the service, my boys told me that I was only about a tw- uh, 20% cringy. Actually... I, I don't remember if it was 80, there was an 80-20% ratio, cringe. It might have been 80% cringe, but either way, there's at least 20% of gold right here in, in what I'm saying today. All right, so uh, <laughs> even, even, even of the 20% that, that, we're, that we're dropping right now is food and nourishment is what I'm saying. But um, you, the good news here is that as, as you've received this, this word, uh, many of you, have actually actually gotten saved right here in the house of God. 
You got saved. It was a couple weeks ago that we had some, an awesome baptism and we had some people celebrating new life in Christ. And our mission is to love people, live like Jesus, and to lead others to him, right? So we had these baptisms as people were loved by people and began to live like Jesus. As we, as, as we live out these truths and we learn to what it means to be a disciple and a follower of Christ, we bring others and we lead them into that truth. And then we find out the joy of what it means to return the tithe. And as we do that, we are benefiting the work of Christ, not only here in North Phoenix, but all over the globe as we support missionaries and, and help feed one. Um, if, if you haven't already, you can uh, participate and ask me how to feed one uh, with our Compassion uh, Initiative there. So man, we're, we're blessing uh, the work of God and for the glory of God. And I hear, think about this. Remember what I said earlier about, um, about the inverse proportion of, of givers and tithers. Um, in, in if the American church, just here in America, in my country, if we would, would actually adopt the practice habitually of returning 10% to the Lord, I really believe the math is, is there that we would replace every government needs assistance program in short order and do it at a fraction of the cost because... <laughs> I mean, no, the government is not the best at doing things <laughs> economically. Um, and, uh, my brother, was, when he was in the uh, Navy, he told me, like, well, I can either, I can either buy a screwdriver or, uh, or I can, the Navy can buy a screwdriver. And it, the cost is about a, a tenfold difference. <laughs> um, so... Um, the government doesn't do things super well. I'm not, I'm not politics. This is not a politics. This is not right or, or left or red or, or blue. I'm just saying, I think we all would, would agree that the government struggles. Let's say it that way. We struggle. Struggle with, uh, with, with doing things well. But, but we read the book of Acts and read how the church comes through and meets the needs of their community. That's why people fell in love with Christians, you guys. People fell in love with Christians because of how we loved people. And... They didn't even know what to do with us. They tried killing us in the, in the gladiator rings and we still loved them. We're like, yeah, that's our, that's, our, that's our economy. That's how we run. We love people. We love the people who kill us. Um, and, and that's just, just free. But So the tithe, the blessing of the tithe, the first one is that it provides for the work of God through the church. And you guys, God loves the church. Jesus loves his church. So I do too. All right, number two, tithing teaches me to put God first. Everybody say First. Um, the Living Bible uh, paraphrases Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, the, um, the end of that verse this way. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And this is a really, this message that, that I'm, I'm dropping today is so practical. It's probably the most practical message that you'll get on a Sunday morning because normally when you hear a message, there's some room on how I'm going to interpret it. We got to lean into the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord to reveal to us, maybe in some quiet times, some prayer times, what's my next step? What should I do? How should I respond to this truth today? You can really act on this truth with, without a quiet time, without a prayer time. You, you know exactly what, I'm not saying you should, but I'm saying you could because you know exactly what you should do. The tithe is that clear. It's just one-tenth. You just got to make a decision whether you're going to do it or whether you're not. So it's super practical. Say with me, I will give, here's the principle. I will give my first and my best so God can bless, so the rest can be blessed. 
All right. So uh, the struggle is not going to be on how to apply it. The struggle is just going to be the amazing resistance that the pool of money and money is persona. If you ever want to feel the weight of money, write out a tithe check. If you've never done it before, you're going to feel the personification of money saying, wait, wait, wait now. Hold on, son. Just a minute. (laughs) Because it's new and it's different. It's like, man, this is big. This is an Ebenezer. This is a big stone I'm raising up here. And, um, but there is a freedom that comes as it, and the interesting thing is, as I'm talking about this right now, there are two, two types of listeners, whether you're online, I can't really see your faces, but if you're here in the room right now, it's funny because you, you have two types. One is the listeners, they're kind of nodding and you're like, yep, yep, yep. I am so glad I learned to tithe. Man, there is such a freedom in that. Man, praise God. And you guys are smiling. You're kind of leaning back and you're nodding. And then there's some of you that be like, <clears throat> and the, there's only two reports. I'm so glad I learned to tithe or I can't afford to tithe. That's, that's the two groups. I can't afford to tithe or I'm so glad I learned to tithe. And the, if, you're, if you're in that other group that says I, I can't afford to tithe, what you're doing right now is, is, is computating. Is that a word? You're computing the math. You're doing the math and you're going, John, Mark, do you not know math? First of all, no. Uh, s- s- <laughs> Don't ask me. Second of all, um, I'll just ask Ethan. Uh, second of all, um, it, it, uh, I know a little. I know a little. Uh, but uh, if you're saying, like, do you have any idea what I would have to change in my life? Do you have any idea how much reprioritizing and rearranging I would have to do what I would have to, to not do in order to do what you're suggesting? <laughs> That's... My friends, uh, that's, the, that's really the point. <laughs> that's really it. I just say it gently and, and in, in no condemnation, but that's why tithing is there. Because it's a constant reminder. It, it's, it teaches you and it's a constant reminder if you're already doing it to keep God first. Yeah? Because it's this reminder. Like, God's first, y'all. He's first because I wrote that check out. First and my best. God is at the center. He's at the center. So uh, that's, that's the beauty of this, is that we have the, I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say it a different way. I don't have to. I get to tithe. I have the honor of serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with, and returning that 10%. I have the honor and the privilege of reprioritizing my life in such a way that it allows me to do it, and God, God blesses me. Here, here is, and this takes me into our third point, our final point, and tithing increases my faith in God. Tithing increases my faith in God. And here's why. Because it teaches me, this is why it's my honor, because it teaches me that I can do more with 90% that's blessed than I can do with 100% that's not. And the math, if you're logical, if you're a mathematician, you're going and you're a tither, you have this conundrum because you're like, I did the math and it doesn't make sense, but it works. Um, and if you're, if you're not a, a, a tither and you're logical and everything else, you're like, it can't work. Pastor John Mark, the money isn't there. You, it, it can't happen. There's no way. And that's why tithing in will increase your faith. And now you're going to have to just trust me on this until you act out in it. And then you're going to have a testimony. And that's the cool thing. That's what I invite you to do. I really want to invite you to take a 90 day challenge. If you're not a tither, just, it, just a, a low key invitation to invite you to take a 90 day challenge to just do this, to test 
God. As a matter of fact, look at this in Malachi 3.10. I'm going to read it again. It says, test me. Everybody say, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Let's stop for a second, because in a way, the tithe is a test. It's a dual test. It's a test because we're given a test to see whether we're going to obey or not. But it also, God is inviting us to test him. And by the way, this is the only place that we're given an opportunity or permission to test God. As a matter of fact, we're expressly forbidden to test God. You should not test the Lord or tempt the Lord your God. But in this case, this is the only time we're actually given permission to test God. Test me. See, check it out. Go ahead. Tithe and see what happens. Give it, give it, I just want you to, this is what he says. Let's read it again. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. You won't even have room for the blessing. So I love that. I love that. Uh, just to, here's a test. Here's a test, it says. And I, one more thing that's interesting about a tithe, the tenth. If you don't know this, um, numbers are kind of a, an interesting thing in the Bible. Uh, numbers, uh, uh, numerology is significant. Numbers mean something. And so, um, you, for example, the number seven is God's is perfect number, number of perfection. It's indivisible, right? So um, uh, seven. Uh, how about um, six? Six is one less. Then seven, it's the number of man. So number seven is the number of God. Number seven is the, the number of man. And when you double it up, uh, triple it up, six, 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 woo right? So uh, that's uh, Satan's number in, uh, in the Antichrist number, we should say, in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> if you ever have that on your receipt, just run. I don't know. I'm kidding. It doesn't mean anything. It, uh, I'm not paying this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, but six, in the Bible, though, six means something. Uh, seven means something. All the numbers. So 12 means is a symbol of authority. And 10, 10 is kind of where we're centering today. 10 is a number of testing. It's a number of testing. So you think about it this way. Go back in, those of you guys who know your, your Old Testament uh, history, when God tested Pharaoh's heart, when Moses said, let my people go, uh, and he said, uh, okay, no. Uh, God tested his heart. How many plagues did he send? Ten. And each plague was an opportunity, by the way, for him to change his mind and do the right thing. Um, so, uh, yes, you're right. Ten. Good job. Uh, when God uh, tested us for obedience um, and he gave uh, commandments to Moses, how many commandments were there? Ten. Hey, you guys are smart. All right. In the New Testament, um, when Jesus told the parable about uh, virgins who were, were being tested, whether they were ready or not ready for the bridegroom, how many virgins were there? Ten. Yeah. How many lepers were healed to see whether they would be, uh, be obedient to come back and, and be grateful to Jesus? How many, how many lepers were there? Ten. You guys are so smart. How many disciples did Jesus have? 12, just, yeah, there's 12. I was a little test. Um, so it's a dad joke. Um, that, was, that was part of the, the cringy part, I'm assuming. So uh, God, wants, God wants to know, in, in truth, here's what God wants to know. Here's the test. What's the test? God, we said it already. God wants, just wants to know whether you'll love and trust him or love and trust money. Will you return the 10% that belongs to God? Here's the deal. Here's what we want to say. I just want to say it gently, and, and I'm not saying it in a scolding way. By the way, if you're picturing God right now, don't picture him this way. 
Picture him this way, okay? He's just coming alongside this way saying, come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. Trust me. You can do it. There's been so many times in, in my life as a parent where my kids have said, I can't do it, Daddy. I can't do it. I mean, maybe with tears in their eyes. I can't do it. I really can't, literally. That happened oh, this week. I can't do it. And I said, look, I know the feeling. I'm associated with that feeling. I identify with it. Uh, but here's what I want to tell you, son, you can do it. And more importantly, you will do it. Uh, because I am your father. Um, but, you know, I didn't say that today. You know, God is just here, and, he's, and he's, he, maybe he does it better than I do. I don't know, but he's saying, no, you can do it. Trust me. I know it's hard. I know it feels like you can't. But feelings are poor indicators of reality. They're poor indicators of truth. Uh, forget the feelings. Just listen to me. Listen to the voice of truth. Actually, that was two conversations I had this week. I just remember. There's another one with one of my other kids. And yeah, listen to the voice of truth. The voice of truth is, is, is what's real. Forget the other voices. You can. Um, one other thing I would, I would address before we wrap it up today. Here's the invitation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You can trust the Lord. And I would address family. One more moment here. Because if you've been around the church long enough, there is this kind of... Uh, one response to the tithe that for years has been floating around the Christian church. Uh, you wouldn't say this in, in a um, Jewish, because Jews uh, tithe as well. But, but Christians have had this response, and that is this. We're not under the law anymore. We're not under the law. So John Mark, I appreciate the word. I appreciate the truth. But I feel the grace of Jesus Christ in this area. And I don't feel like that God will condemn me. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to be legalistic about this issue. I'm just going to give and let the Lord kind of direct me how to give. So I want to address that. And is it okay if I address that in a real practical as scripture would address it? Two things you need to know about the tithe. One, the tithe predates the law by 400 plus years. Okay, so you can read it yourself. We're not going to take time to do it now, but check out Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. You can go look at Genesis, I think it's chapter 14, where we have this incident. It's a really interesting incident, and I don't have time to unpack it today, but just check it out. It's cool. Abraham tithes. Abraham, known as the friend of God, the father of faith, he tithes a tenth. That's a tenth, right? He gives a 10% of his increase to a man named Melchizedek. And if you read in Hebrews about who Melchizedek is, this really interesting about who Melchizedek is. And read that and check it out like, whoa, this Melchizedek is somebody interesting. He, he has no beginning or no ending of days. He has no, no genealogy, no parentage. Whoa, who is this guy? And so here's what we know about this. Melchizedek is either a pre- um, pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ before he came as a main, in, in the manger, or he is a, uh, a, a foreshadowing, a type of Christ. Either way, Abraham is either symbolically or literally giving his tithe to Jesus. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I don't have time to go deeper in that. You can read it and read some commentaries on that, okay? But I want to say this. Either way, it is the, whether you can digest that or not, know this. The history is 400 years before the, before the law. Okay. Secondly, if, if you're like, who cares? I feel you. If that doesn't mean anything to you, how about the words of Jesus? Do those matter to you? Are those important? And if your family here today, they matter, right? The red words matter a lot. 
If, you're, if, if you have a Bible, uh, and I think even the online versions uh, have red letters for Jesus. And so the red letters matter a lot. Those are the words of Christ. What if Jesus spoke about tithing? Would that matter? Here's the thing. He does. And by the way, in a way that leaves no ambu- ambiguity. And let's read it together. You ready? Matthew 23, 23. If Jesus tells me to tithe, I'm going to tithe. So here's what he says. For you are careful to tithe. Wait, who's he addressing here, by the way? He's addressing uh, people, uh, the, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are, are notorious in the Gospels for Jesus' uh, pet name for them was hypocrites. A hypocrite is someone who says something but then doesn't do it, Right? Now, here's the thing about the, uh, the, the he would say, that, you know, your internal lives, he called them whitewashed uh, cups, uh, tombs. Their, their outside looked pretty, but inside they were full of dead man bones. Jesus didn't cut any, uh, he didn't, he didn't uh, sugarcoat it. So he's addressing them, and, and here's what he says. He says, uh, you've been careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Now read the next three words with me. You ready? You should tithe. I mean, there it is. There's Jesus. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Unless you get lost in the context of this, don't get it twisted. Jesus isn't saying the tithe doesn't matter. And if you want more context on that, Jesus also addressed things like murder and things like adultery. Would we all agree that God frowns on murder and adultery? Yes. So uh, he, he frowns on it. Uh, that's, a, that's a light way of saying it. There's commands against it. And Jesus said, you've heard that uh, you shouldn't uh, commit adultery. I say, don't, don't lust after a woman. You've heard that it was said, don't murder. Uh, yeah, good, don't murder. Also, don't hate. And so uh, Jesus, what does Jesus always do with the bar? Which way does he take it? Up. He raises the bar. So guess what he's going to do with the tithe? Which way is he going to take it? Down? Up. He's going to take the tithe level up. He says, you've heard that, uh, let's say it this way. You've heard that it's good to tithe. Yes, tithe. Also, don't tip. Give your whole life. God's not looking for tippers. He wants your entire life. Yes, tithe, but 10% never paid a waitress's bill. Up that sum, please. That's, I mean, I'm just saying in layman's terms here. I'm just saying, Jesus would say, um, raise the bar, raise the bar, take it higher. So are we clear? Family, are we clear? This is what God says. Now, you don't have to agree with God's word. That's up, that's up to you. But God addresses the tithe. He does it in the Old Testament. He does it in the New Testament. Jesus affirms it. And now we just have to, what? Not argue about it. Just decide. What, what am I going to do? Am I either going to adjust my life to it? Or am I not? And there's no condemnation. I'm not here to condemn you. But here's the principle. And here's the principle that, remember I said at the very beginning, I said how we handle money ties into the very nature of God, what we do with it. Remember, there's two kingdoms. Um, it ties into how our needs are met, and it ties into the gospel. And here's how it ties into the gospel. Are you ready? This is not a principle that God says to do and not do. God's no hypocrite. 
and a verse that will unpack this for you is Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And God says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what did God do? Think about it this way. God knew that we need to give our first and our best so that it would break the grip of materialism in our life when we would return to God. It's this act of faith and worship. In Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, just a freebie, says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. That's why we give our first and our best. It doesn't require faith to give last. It requires faith to give first. And that's what God did. God gave first. God didn't wait for us to be committed to him and to respond to him before he gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus first. He gave us Jesus when we were reckless and rebellious and shaking our fist at heaven. That's when he gave us Jesus. And my friends, what did God say when he did that? Is Christ hung on the cross, ready to breathe his last? God the Father said, I will give my first and my best. beloved son of God son of heaven innocent lamb of God said I'll give him my first and my best so the rest can be blessed and John 3 16 says for God so loved the world that whoever whosoever we're part of that whosoever what 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 would we do we would see the love of God for us displayed for us on the cross and we would respond that's the only natural response to that kind of love that supernatural love that reckless love that we would respond and say here's my whole life this is I'm just going to give you everything and if you would as we just wrap it up would you just stand up with me I'm just going to run home now um I've gone a little bit long today and I apologize but um I want to pray for you. And as I do, I want you to respond. A couple of questions that I have for you. God, we just want to pass the test. We just want to be faithful. We want to, we want to be obedient. Draw us to you, Lord. If you're, as the kind of lights go down and, and just in the quietness of this moment, if you'll just give me a, another few moments here, um, no, no one looking around because I don't want any competing interest for your attention. I don't want you to worry about who's looking or not looking because I want to ask you a very you know, pointed question, and that is this. If you're not a tither and uh, you would like to be, you very much would like to be, you're ready to take a step, I want to pray with you. And if you would say this, if you would say, I'm not a tither, but I want to be, I want to, I want to give my first and my best, and trust him to bless the rest. If that's you here today, here's my question. Would you just raise up your hand and signify that to me? 
as one. Yes. Is somebody else here today? Yes. All right. Come on. Is there somebody else here today? Maybe you're online. I'm just going to have to trust the Lord for you because I can't see you. But if you're online and you're, you're listening today or you're here in the room, you still got more chances here. You're saying, I'm not a tither, but I want to be. I'm ready to take a step. I know it's scary. It's a big step for me, and I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no idea how I'm going to make this happen, but I'm going to trust God to bless the rest. You're here right now. Is there anybody else? You're saying, uh, I want to respond, and this is for your benefit. Tithing is for your benefit. It's this big Ebenezer that we're raising up and we're saying I I need to see this. I need to see God move in my life and be reminded of this every paycheck. Here you're here today. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for those today that are taking this big step of faith. God, I pray that you'd help them to respond uh, in obedience. And then God, I pray I, I thank you that you're faithful and I pray that you would prove yourself faithful to those who love and trust you today. Finally, if you're here today and you would say, remember, God doesn't want your money. That's not what he's after. He don't need it. But, but you need to surrender that in your life. And God wants not 10%. He doesn't want a tip. He wants your whole life. Remember this. The gospel message is this, that God created you to be in a love relationship with him. But your sin and my sin, it separates us from God. And there's no way to pay for a, trick, a ticket to heaven, a trip to heaven, for a reconciliation between God and I. There's no way to pay for it. But thank God, Jesus paid the bill. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice a, a spotless and a perfect lamb. And as the blood was shed, the, blood was for, the, the sins were forgiven. And so it is today that a spotless lamb was given. God's first and his best. And now my sins and your sins, if we will accept that sacrifice, are forgiven. And if you're here today and you are ready to receive what God offers you, the kingdom of God would offer you power, security, freedom, significance in the name of Jesus. You're ready to be forgiven, every sin forgiven. You are ready to be made a brand new creation, to be filled with the spirit of God and set on a new course for your life. If this is what you're ready for, I want you to raise up your hand today. And you're listening online, you're in the room and you're saying, yes, that's me. Yes, I see that hand. Is there someone else here today? You're saying, I'm raising up my hand because I'm ready to give my life, not just a tip, not part of my life, but my whole life. I'm surrendering my life to God. Listening online today, I want to pray for you here in the room. Another chance here, I want to pray for you. Uh, Father, I pray right now for my friends. Jesus, be the Lord of our life. Be first in every way. Holy Spirit, do you work? Now, everybody in the room and online, would you pray with me this prayer? Repeat after me. We're all praying together. Heavenly Father, take my life, my whole life. Thank you for sending Jesus, your first and your best. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that in doing so, you showed me your amazing love for me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. And as you gave Jesus, so now I give you my life. Take all of it. Thank you for a new life. Take every bit of mine. I'm yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, let's shout it. Let's declare it this morning. Thank you. For all those who are online and here in the room, let's celebrate it. The heavens are shouting. People are declaring their faith in God. Let's take one more moment and let's honor God in worship today as we thank him for his promises.
Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.